First, let me say I thank God uh, for this privilege he has made possible, and certainly his servant, Pastor Jamie Miller, his wife Kim, and the entire Christ Fellowship Church. We are honored and elated to be with you on this morning. I thank God for your pastor, a great friend, brother of mine, uh, tremendous wisdom, uh, incredible insight, and I just praise God for our fellowship and our friendship and love. I had the privilege to make his acquaintance uh, through a mutual friend, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Uh, Brown, and so we thank God for them as well. Amen. Amen. Had the privilege to meet a few members here at Christ Fellowship on this morning as we enjoy worship before worship. Amen. Thank Jeremy and the entire praise and worship team. Um, I want to acknowledge my church family, for those who are present with us on this morning, wherever you are, may you be kind and stand. Amen. God bless you, family. I am just honored uh, that God would entrust me to care for his people and lead such wonderful people as the Pleasant Mount Gilead Missionary Baptist Church. Amen. Thank God for them. There was a Sunday school class uh, being taught, uh, particularly about the subject matter of God being a creator. And little Johnny was especially intent at how God not only created every human being, uh, but he used one of Adam's ribs to create his wife, Eve. And after uh, some time had passed that week, Johnny was at his home and on the couch, uh, laid over, and he appeared to be ill. And his mother looks at him and she says, Johnny, what's, what's the matter? And he says, I don't know. I'm having great pain in my side. I think I'm birthing a wife. <laughs> Little Johnny, speaking of wife, I am uh, honored uh, to share something about my wife whom I love so dearly and she is my gift from God and I thank God for her each and every day. If, if I were to describe her as a composer, I would say that she is the composition that is melodious and soothing to my being, my life. If I were to describe her as an artist, I would say she is the beautiful masterpiece that mesmerizes and captivates my total being. My wife, just, amen, amen. I, I love my wife and I thank God for her. Amen. If you would be kind, let us go to the word of God. Uh, John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 had the privilege to pray with um, Pastor Miller along with others in the prayer room this morning. I want to thank God for each of you and your prayers. Um, as we continue to look at uh, the series that you guys are engaged in, created for, uh, to do great things. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 in the word of the Lord reads, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on a well, 
And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for this great pastor, Pastor Jamie Miller, Christ Fellowship Church. And just pray your continued blessings upon them, Father, as we all seek uh, to do your will and to bring you glory. Thank you uh, for this privilege, this opportunity you have availed for your people to come together to worship you. And Father, I pray that you would use me as an instrument in your hand to proclaim your truth to your people. May our hearts be peers. May we be encouraged and inspired. May we be drawn nigh unto your heart. And we thank you, Father, for your tender mercies. Thank you for your loving kindness. And you and you alone get the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to us for a brief moment from this notion, the living water, the living water. I have a video to show if you would be kind and focus your attention on this video. I am a Coming from you, 
Grace, love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say I am to be known, to be loved, to be loved, to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get you. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you told me, who should see what you showed me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved, to be loved, to be known. And they all need this too. We all do. We need it for our own. Amen. The living water. As we consider this notion and this thought created to do great things, let us examine together uh, to rediscover, if you will, the great things that Jesus Christ has called us to as he has demonstrated in his passion to reach the unloved, to reach areas uh, that were unreached. Uh, as we look at this text today, Jesus offered the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, living water. But there were some matters that this woman had to straighten out before she could experience or receive this living water. There was the matter of the sin in her life. There was the matter of the Messiah. There was the matter of worshiping God. And there was the matter of laboring for God. Jesus warning and desiring for this woman to have this gracious gift of his glorious salvation Jesus reveals something that is profound in scripture and this revelation is that he himself is the living waters. As we embark upon this text in verses 1 through 9, we find Jesus in Judea and he's doing great ministry and his popularity increases to an extent that the Pharisees become alarmed and suddenly they begin to criticize and degrade John because of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus wanting to avoid confrontation and not uh, develop or create some competitive scene, he makes a decision to depart from Judea and go to Galilee. But he says something interesting in verse 4 before he makes that journey. He says he must needs go through Samaria. Samaria was a place that was considered, if you will, less reached with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus says he must need go through to Samaria. It's interesting when we look at the word must that emanates from the Greek word ed and it means a necessity. It means a compulsion. It means destiny. Jesus has a compelling compassion that drove him to a less reached area of Samaria. He desired to go to this place and when he gets there he arrives at a well. He has been journeying a great distance and he decides as a result of being weary and fatigued from his journey to rest on the well. He is both tired and thirsty. Suddenly this woman of Samaria shows up to the well and Jesus proposes this inquisition. He says to her, give me to drink. Now, for the woman, this was an amazing question to Jesus. It was a logical question. His disciples had gone into the city to buy meat. But to the woman, this was amazing, particularly because of the natural animosity, the hatred that they had one for another. But Jesus went to this city in Saqqar and he met this woman at the well and he inquired of her to give him drink. Can I talk a moment about why they had such a great embittered hatred and disdain the one for the other? This happened several years before this incident transpired in 720 B.C. 
2 Kings chapter 6, beginning of 17, beginning at verse 6 through verse 41, we see the king of Assyria who had captured 10 tribes in Israel. He deported them and scattered them all throughout the media empire. And later he had taken some from the Assyrian kingdom and repopulated the land in Samaria by bringing transplant to the lands, heathens to the lands. And naturally, this is what occurred. Intermarriages begin to happen. Intermarriages with those who were transplanted. Intermarriages with those who were outcast and, and irreligious who were married to the original Samaritans. And then there were those who were the weak of the land who had been left behind after the first deportation and naturally these Samaritans were hated because they were considered mixed breed Jews and to the strict Jew they held to a pure race and because of this they hated the Samaritans but they were not only mixed breed by their birth they were also mixed breed by religion as a result of this repopulation of the land in Samaria these heathen brought their gods Naturally, the God of Israel prevailed, the one true and living God. But Samaritans never really became pure in Judaism. After Ezra had led the Israelites back from the exile in Babylon, all of a sudden the Jews began to reestablish re their temple. And the Samaritans offered, which was a very nice thing to do, to help them in reestablishing their temple. But as you can imagine, the Jews resisted their help. The Jews said, listen, because of your intermarriages, you have forfeited or you have no pure race. And because of worshiping false gods, you have forfeited your right to worship the one true and living God. This caused a great hatred for the Samaritans and the Jews. This severe denunciation caused the Samaritans to do something that naturally happens. They begin to build a whole nother worship temple. They begin to build the temple in Jerusalem, And it was a rival temple to the temple of the Jews in Jerusalem. And what do you know? They even changed the history and they changed the scripture in order to fit them to be at a higher place of worship. They changed the scripture and that they only embraced the first five books of the Bible we call the Pentateuch. In other words, they forfeited the richness and the depth of the Psalms and the prophets. They held to the first five books of the Bible, but then they also claimed that there were other things that happened historically to set them apart from the temple in Jerusalem. And that was that they said Abraham offered Isaac as an offering at Mount Gerizim. They claimed that this was the place that Melchizedek met Abraham. They claimed that this was the place where Moses established his first altar after leading Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They made all these distinctions and naturally there was a hatred. Naturally there was a place that no one really cared about. But Jesus, watch this family, Jesus shows and demonstrates something to us that goes beyond um, our, our normal operation. He says, listen, we are created to do something great. Jesus went to even those who were hated. Now mind you, Jesus was a Jew. But Jesus went to Samaria to a Samaritan woman. In fact, if, if we look at this really carefully, in chapter 3 of this same book, Jesus meets a man who is a, a Jew and he's also a moral person. And Jesus shares the gospel with him. But then he later, in contrast, chapter 4, he meets a woman who is a Samaritan and an immoral person. Jesus transcends race. 
He transcends religion. He transcends rank. He is a teacher. She is a prostitute. Can I tell you that soul winning always transcends all of the barriers that tries to hinder us from coming together as a people in God's kingdom. In fact, Jesus says this, that there is another flock that he must bring together in John 10 and 16. He says they will hear my voice and they must be one and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus teaches us that there is no barriers, but that we are called to reach beyond the barriers. We are called in doing something that is great to reach in the remote jungles of the world. We are called to go in Muslim territory and proclaim the the living gospel, the living Savior, Jesus the Christ. We are called to go in the minute places of the world that seems to be hopeless and bring hope because you and I, brothers and sisters, are called to do great things, to carry the living water to those who are in despair, to carry the living water to those who are exhausted and fatigued and exasperated with life, those who need the hope of the gospel, Jesus calls us to go and give the living water. I'm not going to keep you long, but I want to say three things here and take my seat. The first thing I want to say is that this living water is alive. This living water is alive. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of me. Listen, this water is alive. To the Jew, living water looks like this. It, 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 it's a water that is constantly moving. It's water that is ever in motion. It is water with perpetual movement. It is a water like, for example, a creek being fed by springs and lakes having an inflow and an outflow. It's constantly moving. That's what living water is. In contrast to living water, dead water is stagnant water. Dead water is what we see in pools and ponds. It's a water that's always sitting still. It it has no inflow. It has no outflow. But the living water that Jesus was talking about is more living than any living water we may consider to be living. This water, and I call you family because you are my brothers and sisters in the Lord, this water, family, is more living than any other water. It is a water that comes from God himself. God is the source of this living water. Listen, God gives us this living water in his son, Jesus the Christ, and no other water can compare or be stand in contrast because there is a stark contrast between the living water that you and I know and the living water in Christ. There is a distinct difference. This water is a gift from God. That's what Jesus says in the text. He says, if thou knewest the gift of God, This water is a gift. It's not something that you and I can deserve or deserve. It's not something that you and I can earn by our own merit. This water is nothing that you and I can secure by our own intellect. It's not a water we can obtain by our own influence. It's not a water that we can acquire by our own impressions. It's not a water that we can receive by our own impact. It is a gift from God. And the way we get this, Jesus says, ask. This woman had never known about the water, nor has she asked for the water. But now an opportunity was available for her to receive the living water. And all she had to do was to ask. 
We petition God for his glorious salvation. We seek God for his goodness and his loving kindness and his tender mercies. We seek God and we pursue him for his grace and his mercy and may his will be done. We never really know. I say at our church oftentimes that you never really know who you encounter that day. You never really know who needs the hope that you have. You never really know who stands in desperate need of the peace that God has granted us. We should always be willing to share with others. You never know who you impact. Sometimes the way you behave in a grocery store has an impact on people you may not even know. Sometimes the way we behave at a four-way stop when we got there second but we're in a rush may have an impact on another motorist. Especially when you have a bumper sticker on the bumper that says, I love Jesus, and we went right through the four-way. You never really know who you impact. Jesus says that this, is, this water is alive. My second point. This water comes from God. Listen, verse 11 and 12. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? This water comes from God. This woman noticed that Jesus was making an unusual claim. She didn't quite know and understand, nor did she comprehend exactly and precisely what his claim was. But she knew that Jesus was making an unusual claim. Look at her inquisition. She says, where are you going to get this water from? You have nothing with which to grab or to get this water. And are you suggesting that the water you give is greater than Jacob? See, this woman saw something that most people miss, that Jesus was offering something greater than this water. Jesus was offering something greater than just the water that can be uh, possessed through this well. And it was greater than Jacob. It was greater than the religious father or the patriarch Jacob himself. In fact, Jesus always proclaimed all throughout scripture that he is greater. He proclaimed that he was greater than the temple. He proclaimed that he was more worthy than, than all the glory of Moses. He was greater than Jonas. He's greater than Jacob. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than Solomon. Jesus was greater in every regard. And this water comes from God. It is the only water that can satisfy and quench family, our thirst. You know, when you're exasperated and you're exhausted at, as a result of having labor as we so diligently do and we become tired and Texas heat, there's nothing like having a cold glass of pure spring water with crisp ice cubes suspended in it filled to your favorable volume with condensation descending on the side and you elevate this bottle of water. Doesn't it refresh you and rejuvenate it? Can I tell you that the living water that Jesus offers is far more than this water. It's far more satisfying than this water. This is my last point and I'm going to my seat. Jesus says this water is alive. This water comes from God. And lastly, this living water quenches our thirst. Verse 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said unto her, Who said, but drinketh of this water shall thirst again this water. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting 
life. Man has two types of thirst. Man has a physical thirst. Man has a spiritual thirst. Man knows exactly how to satisfy his physical thirst quickly. But it's the spiritual thirst that man senses in his heart that he finds it difficult to satisfy because he tries to satisfy it with physical things. Man always senses a thirst in his heart, a thirst for significance, a thirst for meaning, a thirst for purpose, a thirst for something missing, a thirst to feel a void of emptiness and loneliness, a thirst to get freedom from the things that overwhelm us in life and all these things that we contend and grapple with in life, a thirst to be delivered from undue anxiety and pressure and stress. Man is always thirsting for those things, but if we're not careful, we will find ourselves trying to satisfy an inward thirst with physical things and never find true contentment. See, man seeks to satisfy his inner thirst with the things of the flesh and the world that are poison and death. Man seeks to satisfy with the things of the flesh, things like lust and immorality and indulgence and pride and drunkenness, but those things don't satisfy. Man tries to satisfy his spiritual thirst with the things of the world, things like money and cars and houses and position and power and prestige and popularity and notoriety and fame, but those things don't satisfy. Listen, I'm not condemning, as I often say at my own church, God doesn't mind us having things. He just minds things having us. Things are essential for our earthly existence, but they cannot satisfy an inner thirst. The only thing that can satisfy our inner thirst is the living water. Jesus Christ himself. This living water emanates from Jesus. He is the source of our living water. He satisfies us as we have wells on the inside of us springing up ever in motion, always flowing and leading into everlasting life. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but if you're in life or ministry or family, no matter where you are and feel exasperated and fatigue and overwhelmed, I just want to tell you about the living water, Jesus the Christ. I want to remind you that he's not just the living water who saves us, but he's the living water who keeps and guards and preserves us along our journey. Because no matter where you are in life, there will be times and issues and situations that bombard our soul as we weigh out the burdens of ministry and yet the joy of it as we try to reach further. Sometimes in our humanness, we become overwhelmed and weary. But can I encourage somebody here today? today. Let's be like Jesus. Let's always be passionate to go to places that others may not desire to go and reach them with the gospel. Let's be a people that even if we do not go to the remote corners of this world, that we will be a people who are determined in our hearts to pray fervently, to give sacrificially, to labor diligently, and we whatever we do, do it for the glory of God. This world is lost. This world is broken. And here is what's more tragic, family. This world don't even understand its lostness and brokenness. In fact, may not even acknowledge that it's broken and recognize its desperate need for Jesus.
But praise be to God for you who love God, who's passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. Jesus came, and even though as Messiah, his initial focus was to save, in Matthew 15 and 24, the lost sheep of Israel. Don't stop there. While the Jews was more concerned about their national heritage and less concerned about Gentiles and the Samaritans and what have you, as we see, though, in this in this discussion that Jesus had with the woman of Samaria at the well, Jesus is concerned about all. Luke 19 and 10, Jesus says, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, characterizes the heart of Christ. And I want to say to us today, Pastor Jamie Miller, and I thank God for you and your passion and your leadership in this effort. We are all created to do great things for the glory of God. The gift that God has graciously bestowed upon you, let him stir it by his spirit for you to do great things. God desires for you to do great. Wherever you are, children in high school, youth that is, in high school, college age students in college, wherever you are, in the workplace, in our neighborhood, at our schools, wherever we may be, God has called us to do great things. Will we be a people who passionately and zealously and enthusiastically share the living water, Jesus Christ himself? Let us be a people who are not overly concerned about the status quo and maintaining, but to reach beyond the barriers, to share the living water, God's love with the world who does not know him. Would you stand with me today as our praise and worship team comes forward? And I'll ask Pastor Miller if he would come and just lead us in this effort. As we pray for God to give us a continued burning desire for those who do not know him to share that living water. Okay, so um, we're going to have just a time of response here. If I get the ministry team to come on up. And I don't know about you, but my heart was stirred listening to my brother preach. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you know the Lord, and you're walking with the Lord, or maybe you've known Him in the past, and you're kind of, you're just kind of cool right now in this season, but the Lord...